to your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and today is Wednesday, March 8th, 2023, the Feast of St. Dionysius of Corinth. He was a bishop in the 2nd century who wrote many letters to bishops and individuals. He exhibited great virtue in erudition. In one letter, he argued against imposing virginity and perpetual continence on all of the faithful, which St. Philippos, a remarkable personality of his time, replied to by recommending that St. Dionysus preach stronger virtues to encourage perfection in his flock. Later in a letter to Pope Soter, St. Dionysus cursed those who had corrupted his letters to the Pope to favor their interest in bad doctrine. And this is an example of a saint accepting reprimands and taking advantage of them to become better. St. Dionysus of Corinth, pray for us. Uh, Good morning to you on this beautiful Wednesday morning. The sun isn't quite up yet. You know, I'm, I'm not looking forward to the shift in time zones because I'm kind of liking the sun rising early and sitting late. I, I, I kind of like that. So the whole shifting times, mm, not a huge fan. Uh, but good morning to you, Tito Edwards. Good morning, Adrian. <clears throat> yeah, it's. I'm wondering when they're going to start making it permanent so they don't, we don't have to do the uh, switch anymore. Yes, I really hope that the switching of time zones... That whole thing needs to be settled. I'm not sure which way I would go, though, if I would have to stay in the spring or, or stay in the winter. But one way or the other, I would love to uh, not have to switch time zones. Uh, though, at the same time, I kind of like the just randomness of the fact that we just randomly change the time for no reason at all. There used to be a good reason, but that reason is no longer valid. So, yeah, it's probably best to just keep it permanent. But I, I know what you mean about switching every, you know, spring forward, fall back, and all that. That's kind of quaint and and fun and interesting, but uh, it can always change back. Yeah, and a lot of of states don't even do it anymore. Some states are like, nah, we're not going to participate in that. No, thank you. Not going to do it. You know, yesterday I went to class at the University of St. Thomas. I was sitting in on a class. The class is called the the Philosophy of the Anti-Culture. It's very interesting. And we're talking about the the origins of the crisis that we're in and how we how we got here. It's so fascinating to me because uh, Dr. Rebard, my professor, is tracing it back all the way to, you know, we have Bacon, we have um, Hume, we have Kant, we have uh, Rousseau, all of these uh, philosophers. And it shows a, a through line of how even from early times, William of Ockham, all these people have a through line and you follow the logic and you end up to today where you have a denial of reality. And it's really interesting to me and it might be worthy of a conversation. Maybe I'll invite Dr. Rebart on and we can have a discussion about, uh, about that topic. Cause it's so fascinating seeing the, the roots of these transgender ideologies and all these things originated with that philosophy. Like, a thousand years ago. It's very fascinating to me. Let's see. At 15 past the hour, I'm going to share with you guys a bombshell that just came out about the January 6th revelations. That's very, very fascinating to me. At 30 past the hour, Alan Smith will be back on with us 
to go over the fourth word from the cross. The word is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in the next hour, we're going to be playing our game show, Fear and Trembling. So you're going to make sure that you're tuned in for that. And today, I would also ask that you uh, keep, of course, uh, Ryan Grant and his wife, Sarah Grant, in your prayers. And as Sarah Grant is tending toward her last days, would you pray for a miracle to St. Aloysius, that, or not St., to, uh, to Father Aloysius, who they're trying to open a cause for canonization. I think his cause is open, and they're trying to get miracles for him. So if y'all could pray for a miracle through the intercession of St. Aloysius, for the healing of Sarah Grant. She has eight or nine kids, uh, newborn. Uh, she They just gave birth a, a month ago. And it, they so it is very sad to see a new mother and a mother of eight or nine young children uh, die. So please pray for a miracle for this uh, for this family. And they, Ryan, last thing he said was that they had, um, she had organ failure, had already kind of begun. And so medically there's really nothing that can be done anymore so short of a miracle that's about all we have and I'd also ask that you uh, pray for my the soul of my great-grandmother Janie Hernandez uh, today is her visitation so I'm going to be heading over to there uh, later this day and then tomorrow is going to be her funeral so if you pray for the repose of her soul I'd be very grateful to you for that as well so let's begin in prayer. Uh, we're going to pray for these intentions. We're going to be praying for whatever it is that you need in your life, whatever it is for your lost loved ones, for people dying in your life, for your friends, family, benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for. We have all these things. We hold those in our heart as we pray the Virgo Pater. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O Joseph, Virgin Father of Jesus, most pure spouse of the Virgin Mary, pray for us daily to the Son of God that armed with the weapons of his grace, we may fight as we ought in life and be crowned by him in death. Behold the faithful and prudent servant whom the Lord set over his house. Pray for us, holy Joseph, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Today is Wednesday, March 8th, in the year of our Lord of 2023, and these are your headlines for today. John Lavenberg at Crux reports the Diocese of Wilmington insists that confessional secrecy is non-negotiable. After a Delaware state rep introduced a bill to abrogate the privilege between priest and penitent relating to suspected child abuse or neglect, the Diocese of Wilmington has pushed back that the confidentiality of the sacrament is non-negotiable. Catholic World News reports that the Nicaraguan government has closed the Catholic universities. As the regime of Daniel Ortega continues to persecute the church and clamp down on opposition, the government declared 18 unions illegal and closed these two universities. The two universities are Universidad Juan Pablo II and the Universidad Cristiana Autónoma de Nicaragua. Agencia France Press described both as Catholic church-linked. The Ortega regime has closed 19 private universities since December 2021. The Catholic News Agency reports Father Mark Rupnik has concelebrated Mass at a Roman Basilica on Sunday, despite disciplinary restrictions barring him from any public ministerial and sacramental activity. 
The influential Jesuit artist who has been accused of abusing numerous women, religious and abuse in the confessional, also spoke about his artistic work to a group at the Lateran Basilica in January. Again, an apparent violation of an order that he may not engage in any public artistic activity, especially in religion in relation to religious structures. And finally, the BBC reports two of the four Americans kidnapped at gunpoint in Mexico last week are dead, and two are alive and now back in the United States, Mexican and U.S. officials say. Four U.S. citizens were kidnapped by armed men on March 3rd while driving into the city of Matamoros in the northeastern state of Tamaulipas across the border from Texas. They had traveled there for cosmetic surgery, relatives told U.S. media. One man from Tamaulipas has been arrested. White House National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said, We offer our deepest condolences to the friends and families of those who were killed in these attacks. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. The Gospel of the Day comes from Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 28. And now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, and he took his 12 disciples aside on the way and warned them. Now we are going up to Jerusalem, and there the Son of Man will be given up into the hands of the chief priests and scribes, who will condemn him to death. And these will give him up into the hands of the Gentiles to be mocked and scourged and crucified. But on the third day he will rise again. Thereupon the sons of Zebedee brought them to him, falling on her knees to make a request of him. And when he asked her, What is thy will? she said to him, Here are my two sons. Grant that in thy kingdom one may take the, his place on thy right hand and the other on thy left. But Jesus answered, You do not know what it is you ask. Have you strength to drink the cup that I am to drink of? They said, We have. And he told them, You shall indeed drink of my cup, but a place on my right hand or my left is not mine to give. It is for those for whom my Father has destined it. The ten others were angry with the two brethren when they heard this. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that among the Gentiles, those who bear rule lord it over them, and great men vaunt their power over them. With you it must be otherwise. Whoever would be a great man among you must be your servant. And whoever has a mind to be first among you must be your slave. So it is the Son of Man did not come to have service done him. He came to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for the lives of many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, there's many, many things to note in this passage from the Gospel today. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting just to point out at the beginning here is that our Lord says here that for us, namely the apostles, namely their successors, which are the bishops, our prelates, he says for them... You must be otherwise, that if you have great power, if you are put in charge over other people, you do not lord it over your subjects. You do not vaunt your power over them. But instead, we as Christians, when we have power, especially here, we're talking about the bishops, they must be servants. Just keep that in mind whenever we see different prelates, different priests, and people, different people in the hierarchy vaunting their power and expressing their power as if they were tyrants. 
this is not the way that our Lord has asked that the bishops vaunt their power, because our Lord rightly gives them this power, but it is their duty to obey the commandments of our Lord and say that you must be a servant and not lord your power and vaunt your power over those who are subject to you. Uh, Cornelius Lapide says that morally Christ often repeats the mention of his passion that he might commend his love to them and they might love in return and repay love for love and blood for blood and death for death. This is what he means here whenever the mother says, hey, can, can my sons be at your right hand and left hand? And, and our Lord tells her, you don't know what you're asking. Are you sure you're ready to endure the pain and suffering that's going to happen if your kids drink from the chalice that I am going to drink? And his mom is like, of course I am. Not realizing that he's talking about the martyrdom of her kids. That she's saying, look, if you want your kids to be on my right hand and my left, if you want your kids to experience the glory of the kingdom of heaven, you too will suffer great pains because it is your children who will suffer greatly. Cornelius Lapide actually lists the, the different martyrdoms of the various apostles here. It's very interesting. I highly recommend going in and checking out Cornelius Lapide's entire commentary on this. It's very fascinating to, to see. He says, Ye know not what ye ask, because you know not, in the first place, of what sort of kingdom is, namely a spiritual and heavenly one, not a carnal and earthly one, and secondly, because ye are asking for the triumph before the victory. For the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Thirdly, because you suppose that this kingdom is given by right of blood to those who seek it, whereas it is given only to those who deserve and strive. Let bishops, notice what he says here, let bishops and princes then follow this example of Christ and make answer to their friends, their sons, and to inopportune women, when they ask them for prebends, dignities, and appointments for which they are unfitted, ye know not what ye ask. My prebends and appointments are not mine to give as I please, and because I so choose to my relations and servants. I am a steward, not an owner. God will require an exact account of my stewardship, for great is the injury to Christ and his church, and it is the cause of many evils. If appointments and benefices are given on account of relationships and friends to unworthy persons. So let's keep that in mind today. Let's keep in mind the fact that we are to be stewards of the gifts that God gives us. We are not to lord over these gifts, but to give them freely and at the service of our Lord. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time after this. Hey, Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? Original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. According to the American court system, can a jury of 12 citizens who are of varying moral beliefs, backgrounds, and persuasions objectively deem a person not guilty who actually committed the crime? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, church law. In the same manner, the Apostolic College, who are the unique inheritors of the Catholic Church authority, were also granted that same power. Secondly, certain limitations. The court of 12, called a jury, can only grant acquittal or guilt. The Apostolic College, proceeding from the Twelve Apostles, can declare a third position, that being innocence, different from acquittal. And thirdly, a tough comeback. The jury of twelve wields frightening power that changes lives. The church also wields magnificent power that changes guilt into forgiveness and pardon. Is your Bible church obedient to James chapter 5, which says, Call for the elders of the church, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So if you ask your pastor to provide weekly opportunities to confess sins, will he? Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And there are a lot of concerning stories that are going on in the news today. I was looking to find a couple stories, and I found about a dozen. It feels like the news cycle is just absolutely crazy in the last couple years, and it never seems to slow down. Always something going on. One story that I thought was of worthy of note, and not only because it proves that I was right the whole time, not simply because of that, but also because there's a serious injustice that's going on. And that would actually be the January 6th story. We all remember the January 6th story because everybody was told uh, ad nauseum about the fact that, oh, yes, everything is bad. The January 6th were rioters. All these things were being repeated over and over and over again. And immediately when I saw this happen on January 7th, I was so skeptical of this whole situation. I remember seeing the footage and getting in arguments with people and saying, hmm, something doesn't seem right. There is a footage of uh, people recording on their phones of police officers waving people into buildings, police officers moving barricades. And I would bring it up, but everybody was in such hot emotion that immediately I had to get shut down. And I was like, okay, I'm, it's not worth me fighting, this, fighting over this at the moment. Uh, but now we're seeing the, the footage get released to Tucker Carlson with Fox News. And he was starting to release some of the footage that was unseen by the public from the security cameras. And here's a headline for you. Uh, Kevin McCarthy defends releasing January 6th tapes, torches CNN reporter to their face. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy slammed a CNN reporter during a brief interaction with reporters in which he answered questions about releasing footage from the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol to Fox News host Tucker Carlson. Quote, because of the footage you gave Tucker Carlson last night, he went on and said this was a most, mostly peaceful chaos, as he said. He downplayed Brian Sicknick's death and said it was not related to January 6th. This was not an insurrection, CNN's Manu Raju said. Do you regret giving him those tapes so he could whitewash the event of that day? No, I said at the very beginning. Transparency, McCarthy said. And so what I wanted to produce for everybody is exactly what I said. People can actually look at it and see what's going on that day. When asked if he agreed with Carlson's portrayal of the events that took place on January 6th, McCarthy said each person can come up with their own conclusions. But I just wanted to make sure I had transparency because I know on CNN, I mean, 
ahead here where you guys actually wrote where we were. McCarthy continued as he held up the printed off CNN report. This was a secret location. I don't know if you got concerned by that. I don't even know from a point of view of a security if we could ever be taken there again. But when you broke that at CNN, there was a real concern to a lot of people. And so McCarthy here is very clearly making the point that he, all he wanted is transparency. All he wanted was to get the footage out there so people could see what was going on. And if you go and you look up that footage and you watch that footage, you see this the guy with the horn hat, the guy that everybody was making fun of, um, and rightly so. The guy definitely looked kind of ridiculous uh, walking off at the podium. Definitely weird, definitely strange. But if you watch the security footage, he was welcomed in to the Capitol building. They led him around the Capitol building. They were trying to open doors to give, basically giving him a tour of the place. And then the horn hat guy with all the fa the paint and everything, he went up and gave a speech where he prayed. And during his prayer, he thanked God for the great Capitol Police officers who were helping him. Um, this doesn't sound like a guy who was resisting arrest and fought his way through to get in and put the lives in, in danger of the Capitol Police. And also you notice when you're watching the footage that he walks past Capitol Security. And what do they do? Nothing. They don't do anything. They don't try to stop him. And many people are saying, well, they were scared for their lives. So that's what they didn't do. They were overwhelmed with tons of people. Not in this circumstance. Maybe in other places around the Capitol, there was, they were overwhelmed and there was no way that they could handle anything. They would be putting their lives at risk. In this particular circumstance, there was not a lot of people around. It was very would have been very easy for them to just arrest the guy right there and then. Yeah. And yet this guy goes to prison for three years? Yeah, that that's... Three years for being uh, waved in. That that Capitol Police and the ushers actually were doing something. They were waving him in, telling him, come along. Not only that, I remember the days after, they did show footage of people milling about between the roped lines, walking in orderly fashion through the hallways of the Capitol building. They weren't running around and uh, jumping over the ropes. They were within the ropes. And security was in there with their hands in their pockets just like another day. Yes. And that is a very important point because what did we see? We saw, like you said, they, we saw them just being very orderly. And so that's kind of why uh, Tucker Carlson kind of narrates it as such. He's like, uh, mostly peaceful chaos because uh, it was chaos. There's every, tons of things going on all over the place. But it clearly was not an insurrection. If anything, the guy should be charged with, I don't even know what he should be charged with, uh, because he was welcomed into us. I was going to say breaking and entering, but he didn't break and enter. They welcomed him in. I was going to say, uh, I guess the only thing really that he could be charged with, in my opinion, I'm not a legal expert by any means, but from just what I'm looking at, it appears the only thing he did legally wrong would probably be stealing the, the podium. Which now I'm kind of curious. Did the Capitol Police tell him, hey, why don't you just take this podium? Just here you go. I wouldn't be surprised if we find that out later. <laughs> yeah. The, what's the most disturbing of any of this? Not not the, the, mis, yeah, the misleading by the media 
and and the narrative that was being put out there. What is most disturbing to me are the heavy sentences of three, four, ten, twelve years of people just innocently walking in and out. Yes, some were climbing the steps and 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 the walls, but nobody was shoving police officers. Nobody were waving guns. Nobody was put was tying up and hog tying the security over there. It's I think. Maybe a slap on the wrist and a warning would have been sufficient enough for the overwhelming majority that if they did anything wrong at all. But the sentences that are being handed down and the waiting period for their trials, they're being put in 20 in 23-hour seclusion cells and treated as if they were uh, the America's most wanted. Yeah, it's very concerning. And like you said, the the thing that's most concerning about this is the fact. That this is an injustice. That this has to be rectified. That so many people were had the FBI sicked on them. People who weren't even involved in the entering of the Capitol building. Better yet, the people who were welcomed into the Capitol building. These people were tried, were interrogated, were attacked. They had to hire lawyers. I know people who had to hire lawyers because they were present at the rally itself. But they didn't participate in anything else. But they were just present at the rally. Yet, what do we see whenever we saw uh, Senator Hawley interrogating the DOJ that they're coming after faithful Catholics and they're investigating us and all these things? Yet, have we seen any arrests for BLM? Have we seen any arrests with any of the attacks that are going on in the country today? Uh, we've seen people uh, launching fireworks at, at police stations and things like that. Very, very concerning. They're burning down preg- pregnancy life centers. They're vandalizing churches and not a single arrest, not a single inquiry, not even uh, updates from the FBI regarding this. Yet they go in full SWAT gear with cannons and and military vehicles and 20 SWAT guys descending on Mark Hawk's house just for protecting his 12-year-old son. Yeah, the uh, they have 41 thousand hours of footage from the cap from january 6th and all of it was given to tucker carlson so i'm guaranteeing that we're going to find out more and more information as days go on because he's only had the footage for not that long and yet we've already seen this happen i'm very interested in hearing what comes next but it, it yeah i mean it's it's very concerning let's pray for all those involved especially those who are unjustly punished unjustly sentenced to horrible sentences i I've, i personally would don't know how i would react if i was stuck in solitary confinement and all these other different punishments that various people have been given but i would not want to be these guys so that's very concerning let's keep that in mind today uh, the other story that i thought was very interesting is this story here about michael knowles very interesting to me Michael Knowles, if you don't know, is the host of the Daily Wire, is a host of the Daily Wire, and he got in some very, very hot trouble, hot water, because he was uh, at CPAC, the the conservative um, political action committee, and he was there giving a a speech, and during the speech, he was talking about eradicating transgender ideology. Now, notice what he said there. He said we have to eradicate transgender ideology. And dozens of headlines reported that Michael Knowles calls for genocide of transgender people. 
saying that he wanted to eradicate the transgender people. Now, there is a lot of things to go through in this conversation. That, one, the blatant lying of the media is the theme here. The blatant lying of the media. Because the freedom of speech that we have in America, especially for journalists, is very, very wide. You can basically say and do whatever you want. The only thing you cannot do is lie with malice. Because the freedom of speech even protects journalists from misinterpreting somebody. But the legal reality for uh, lying, for libel, is very, very hard to cross. And yet they did it here. Because if you listen to the speech that Michael Knowles gave, it is incredibly clear. He says, I want the good for the people who are suffering from transgender ideology, but the transgender ideology must be eradicated entirely. I don't know how you could possibly interpret that to mean we have to murder the people who identify as transgender. There's no possibility that you could interpret that without having actual malice. And so the the fact that that happened, I'm really hoping that the Daily Wire uh, foots the bill to sue to oblivion all these different organizations. And this is what the media does. It'll take you out of context and it'll put it out there and it will tr- they will try to destroy your life. And I've seen it done dozens and dozens of times. And it's only going to get worse with the, with the creation of deep fakes, the creation of AI, with the creation of these uh, AI-generated voices that mimic other people. We're going to get more and more cases where people are libeled, people are defamed. All these things are going to happen more and more. And we have to be wary of it. So here's a plea to me, to, from me to you. And know the people that you listen to and try to understand who they are, what they're about, because these things are going to come up and you shouldn't immediately jump onto the bandwagon of condemning someone, especially if it's someone that you relatively know. You say, okay, I've heard them speak for a long time. That doesn't sound like something they would say. Well, be skeptical. Be skeptical of what you see and hear from the media. They most often cannot be trusted. But we'll be right back with Fulton Sheen, someone you can trust with Bishop Sheen today. We'll be right back with more. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you. Catholic Radio gives us something all day, every day, to fill our lives with our faith. We are completely inundated by the world constantly. Every time you go out shopping, the music that's playing, the the visuals that you see, TV, everything, we need 
Catholicism filling our minds. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Wednesday, March 8th. 2023, and these are your headlines for today. Joe Burkus at Catholic News Agency reports a Minnesota pregnancy help center was vandalized by abortion zealots on March 3rd with windows and equipment smashed and graffiti spray painted on the building. And ministers of the First Clear Clinic estimated the damages at over $20,000. Catholic World News reports a priest has been kidnapped and killed in Cameroon. Father Oliver Nsa Ebode was kidnapped and murdered on the night of February 28th and March 1st. The Fides News Agency reported the priest was known for his support of peace in the war-torn country, members of the local community said. The Associated Press reports a Polish television station has reported that while he was Archbishop of Krakow, the future Pope John Paul II was aware of abuse complaints against three priests. Then Archbishop Wotiwa did not refer the complaints to the officials of the government, which was anxious to discredit the church. He did send one of the priests to live in a monastery. Two of the priests mentioned in the TV report were later convicted of sexual abuse. And finally, the Associated Press reports Oklahoma voters rejected a state question on Tuesday to allow for the recreational use of marijuana, following a lit blitz of opposition from faith leaders, law enforcement, and prosecutors. Oklahoma would have been the 22nd state to admit and legalize adult use of cannabis and join other conservative states. Republican Governor Kevin Stitt and many of the state's GOP legislators, including nearly every Republican senator, opposed the idea. Former Governor Frank Keating, an ex-FBI agent, and Terry White, the former head of Oklahoma Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services, led the No campaign. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. A couple of notes real quickly before we jump in our conversation with uh, Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today is Kim Sunderman's son. She's a faithful listener of Catholic Drive Time and a volunteer here at the Guadalupe Radio Network. So we're very grateful for Kim Sunderman and her family it's her son's uh, Courage. His, it's his 18th birthday today, so happy birthday to Courage. He's going to be going to my alma mater. So he's going to be going to the University of St. Thomas in Houston. Very cool. Very cool. And uh, True Win uh, commented on our YouTube page and said, uh, Please pray for our kids who have gender dysphoria. Let them love and accept their bodies. No one is born in the wrong body. Amen. We will definitely be praying for, for that. That's a tragedy. And you're very right. Nobody is born in the wrong body. So praise be to God. We'll definitely be keeping that in our prayers. Uh, but joining us right now via Zoom is Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today. We're going to be discussing the fourth word of our Lord from the cross, which is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Good morning to you, Alan Smith. Uh, good morning, Adrian. It's great to be here. Uh, I'm, of course, it's cold and blustery up here in Canada. But uh, the warmth of your listeners and the warmth of your greeting, I appreciate that. It's uh, it's well needed today. 25 degrees in Canada. Yikes. How on earth? It's like it's summer over here. I, I don't understand. I, I, I really wish that we could have a winter longer than a week. That would be kind of nice, to be honest. 
Yeah, but you know what? It uh, makes us uh, appreciate heaven even more. Uh, you know, this little, Perfect some people weather. might say it's a bit of hell on earth, but it's not. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, cold, people take cold showers during Lent, right? Well, I just wake up to cold air um, and just see how much snow do I have to shovel in my part of Canada. Uh, you know, there are parts of Canada that have milder weather and some that have even more inclement weather than me. So uh, I just count my blessings every day. So God is good. God is good. Amen. Well, let's jump into Fulton Sheen here. Uh, Speaking of the weather, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, You know, Fulton Sheen, when he talks about this, I find it very fascinating because this always was a passage that was a little confusing to me. The fact that how could our Lord say, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me if he is God? How does that work exactly? What's Fulton Sheen's answer to that, Alan? Well, I think I, we're all having that same question. Uh, you know, why would God even, you know, Jesus being God, say to God, why have you forsaken me? But, you know, when Fulton Sheen unpacks those words from sacred scripture, um, again, he every year he spoke on a different theme uh, applying the word, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me to say the parts of the mass or to Our Lady or to the Beatitudes or the virtue. But what he was really saying is, is look at the whole scene. Remember that darkness covered the whole world. Um, this is something like when the lights go out, it's scary enough. But when they really go out and go out for a long time, there's a fear in man's heart. And I think what was really noticed there was that um, a world that's capable of nailing God on a tree and killing him is capable of doing anything. And I always think of that line of Fulton Sheen. Remember that when you see these tragic news stories, remember that 2,000 years earlier, they nailed God on a tree. They put God to death. So anything is possible in the world today. But really, when the lights went out, I mean, in a way, God was turning his face away from the world, saying, you want to extinguish the light of the world? Okay, we'll see how you do in the dark. And so, um, again, there's something there. And there's so much, of course, with Fulton Sheen, and that's just one little commentary. But we'll add some more a little bit later here as we go along in our conversation. Yes, and he also made a note here about speaking to atheists in this conversation of saying, when I, whenever our Lord said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He's really speaking to the atheists. And it's very interesting to me that Fulton Sheen really saw atheism in a very biblical way. As it says in the, in the Holy Scripture, uh, oh, the fool saith in his heart, there is no God. And Fulton Sheen kind of took that and recognized, you know, there really is no real atheist. Everyone who is an atheist is suffering. For some, for something, for some way, uh, could you talk a little bit about what Fulton Sheen had to say about that? Yeah, I think what he did in an honest assessment of atheists is he says, you know, uh, they still half believe in God. They can't really deny God, and um, they almost—I uh, think one word or one line he says often is they—they they sleep with one eye open half the time uh, because they do. And and the new atheism today, and I think this is what we experience, is one more of uh, an attack on the church. Uh, they hate what, um, you know, uh, we represent as our Lord's followers. Uh, there is more of an attack, not just that I don't believe, 
no, no, no. I, I, I believe, and but I actually hate. And uh, Fulton Sheen in many of his writings talks about how the communists especially would break into churches and uh, say to the nuns, where's that sacred bread that you believe in? Uh, we want to destroy it. Well, if you didn't believe in that, uh, why would you want to destroy it? So they do believe. So, uh, And I think this is what our Lord was doing. He was shedding his last few drops of blood for mankind, especially for the atheist. And I think what Fulton Sheen really tries to uh, talk about is the sin of pride. And in many times, uh, atheism is an intellectual pride, uh, just saying, no, I know more than you do. Um, my intelligence is greater than God's intelligence. So um, we'll see who wins that battle. But still, Fulton Sheen was, um, in a loving way, saying to atheists, I know in your heart you still believe. So let's address that. You know, it's interesting you you brought that up as a sort of a, an intellectual pride, because then we get into Fulton Sheen talking about the story of Job and saying that the, that the story of Job is a prefigurement of Good Friday, that the wounds of Job are leading to the Good Friday. And I found that to be so fascinating to think about, especially whenever we look at the lives of saints who many times suffered horrible, horrible things. And they would rightly be able to say, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And yet they rejoiced in the, in the sufferings. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think this this idea of uh, one of the most quoted lines of uh, Fulton Sheen is that line, there is no Easter Sunday unless we have a Good Friday. A and we have to remind ourselves that pain and suffering is part of this journey. And uh, even our Lord is allowed to ask God a question. My God, my God, why? And it's okay for us to ask the why. Uh, Job asked the why. And so it's okay for us to ask, Lord, why did you take away my mother? Why did you allow this tragedy to happen? We are allowed to ask God a why. And ultimately we know that uh, God allows things for a reason. Uh, Fulton Sheen even says in um, this book, um, The Seven Last Words of Christ, that we, um, again, when we ask that question, why? Uh, know that there's three answers to every question. Sometimes God says yes to our request. Sometimes he says no. And sometimes he says, wait, you have to wait. So uh, a valuable lesson there that there are three answers to every question, but we are allowed to ask God, why, why? Absolutely. Yeah, the, I was reading uh, in, in the, the section here, he says, why this pain? Why this loss? Why this sorrow? And he says that God is good. And he wills what is best for my soul, yet it feels whenever our suffering comes that we echo those words, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But our Lord has granted us this great grace to know that we don't have a God who doesn't understand us. We have a God who himself has abandoned on the cross, and we can trust him. We can trust him when dark doubts assail thee, trust him when trust is small, trust him when simple to trust him is the hardest thing of all. We'll be right back with more from Bishop Sheen today, Alan Smith, when we come back. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Haven't you honestly wondered, why do all the different denominations break away from each other? Timeline, 1500s, Luther breaks from the Catholic Church. 16th century, John Knox is influenced by Calvin and breaks from Luther, thus the Presbyterians. 17th century, John Smith then breaks away and starts the Baptist. 18th century, Wesley breaks and starts the Methodist. Even crazier are all the scores of non-denominational individuals who break from each other, generally due to cosmic ego and, quote, a new revelation. Well, here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Judges 21 says, quote, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which is right in his own eyes. Secondly, physics. Once the dam breaks, water goes where it will. Luther broke canon law 331, which says about the Pope, By virtue of his office, he possesses supreme, full, immediate, and universal ordinary power in the church. And thirdly, my take. Gifted theologians can be just like my fourth grade friend who said, I'm taking my bat and ball and going home. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to do some Bible reading. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Bible regularly? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and we have Bishop Sheen on with us today. Okay, we have Alan Smith with us today, but Bishop Sheen is a topic we're talking about. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, Thank you for joining us, Alan Smith. Oh, Adrian, it's great to talk about our blessed Lord and this great sermon from Mount Calvary. And uh, each week we're unpacking one of the words. And uh, again, as you mentioned earlier, this uh, statement from our Lord, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, makes many of us ask the question, uh, why these words? But yet uh, Fulton Sheen, uh, in his way of just loving uh, the flock, uh, feeds us with these words of wisdom. He breaks down the word, my God, my God, in uh, nine different ways. Uh, and of course, we've put those into books over the years. Uh, but uh, I think we're really all always asking that question, how does it affect the sin of pride? I mean, <laughs> how do we, um, our Lord humbled himself so greatly here, saying, my God, my God, uh, these these dark moments, yet we're so proud. We're so proud. So uh, maybe we can talk. I know a lot of the listeners are always saying, help me with the sin. Help me with the sin of pride. How do I overcome the sin of pride? Does anyone have a solution? Well, Fulton Sheen does have a few solutions for us. We'll share those uh, with uh, with our audience in the next few moments. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, one one point that I wanted to uh, to get to real quickly was his connection to the liturgy. I was kind of surprised that he connected this part of it with the consecration. I was like, that doesn't seem to make sense to me. And yet he ties it in so well. And I want to read a little excerpt from the the opening paragraph from Calvary and the Mass on this chapter, where he says, uh, the fourth word is the consecration of the Mass of Calvary. And I was like, oh, wow. Uh, Just that, that opening line in that paragraph. And he goes on, he says, the first three words were spoken to men. But the last four words were spoken to God. We are now in the final stage of the passion. In the fourth word in all the universe, there is but God and himself. This is the hour of darkness. Suddenly, out of its blackness, 
the silence is broken by a cry so terrible, so unforgettable that even those who did not understand the dialect remembered the strange tones, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani. They recorded it so, a rough rendering of the Hebrew, because they could never get the sound of those tones out of their ears all the days of their life. Such a vivid description of that scene and connecting it over to the consecration of the Mass of Calvary. Uh, could you explain that, open that up for us? Yes, <laughs> and I think this is what uh, Fulton Sheen did in the whole book, The Calvary and the Mass. He wanted us to, um, well, many people complain, you know, I don't get much out of the Mass or I'm a little bit distracted at Mass. Well, if you realize that Calvary and the Mass are so connected, that the Mass is Calvary reenacted, and uh, again, you'll go through the seven last words and see how they're part of each, uh, they're a part of, they're, they all connect to the parts of the Mass. But in that regards, my God, my God, wife, you forsake me, and the consecration. Um, think about it. Our Lord was shedding his last few drops of blood uh, because he wanted to redeem souls. And yet, at that part of the Mass, the, the priest is saying, you know, this is my body. This is my blood uh, shed in redemption for your sins. Um, a beautiful love story there. And yet we sometimes, when we follow through the Mass, we get that opportunity to unite ourselves to Christ. Um, Fulton Sheen says that on Calvary, Christ was alone, but at the Mass, we're there with him. And so we say, say those words during the elevation of the host, uh, my Lord and my God. You know, this is my body. Take it, Lord. We give it. I unite it to you. You know, and so it's that beautiful time to unite ourselves to God, because truly at the Mass, we're with him. But Calvary, he was alone. But again, he's shedding his blood. And I think of those words. I think of Our Lady and how, you know, when we say at Mass, you know, this is my body. This is my blood. You're my Lord. You're my God. Yet Our Lady can truly say those words, this is my body, this is my blood, because she came from him. So that beautiful connection of Our Lady and our blessed Lord, but still uh, you see that connection between the consecration of our Lord shedding his last few drops of blood and the fourth word from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Hi, Alan, this is Tito. <clears throat> you mentioned about uniting ourselves with God, with Jesus, when he's saying, my God, my God, why have you have forsaken me in the liturgy during the consecration. Could you expand a little bit on that? Because I know uh, from the little bit I know of theology, when, when that is occurring in Mass, and, and, and I'm like, I feel at, like I am like Job, just suffering a lot in my own personal problems, I think of, when I can remember, I think of offering up my sufferings too at that moment. Okay, could you just uh, explain that just a little bit to our audience? Right, yeah. Um, in another book, uh, The Priest is Not His Own, Fulton Sheen wrote, um, he talked about Jacob's ladder and how it's this beautiful ladder that comes down from heaven and it actually uh, you can see it going right to the altar of God in that um, it's this way of transporting our prayers, our sufferings, our joys. Um, the priest lifts up the host. He lifts up the chalice. And with that lifting up comes our intentions that get taken up to heaven and yet then the graces come down from heaven through that ladder jacob's ladder um, and he used that as an analogy uh, an analogy 
because again, our Lord was shedding his blood for us. Um, and I think if we see a little bit earlier in the, um, the drama of the passion, uh, the good thief uh, giving himself uh, in a beautiful way, uniting his suffering to the Lord and then asking him to remember him. Lord, please remember me. So um, there's this sense of we don't want to miss this opportunity. And Fulton Sheen talks about wasted opportunities, wasted pain, but also wasted prayer. We miss those opportunities. So this is our opportunity to unite ourselves and to have our prayers offered up during the consecration. All right, Alan, we promised we would talk about the sin of pride and the contrary virtue. Uh, so let's discuss that, uh, saint, or I said saint, but uh, not yet. Uh, Fulton yeah. Sheen uh, bringing, the, bringing up uh, the sin of pride. He has a litany of different people and occupations and beliefs that are wrapped up in pride and how this word from the cross can foster in us the contrary virtue, which is humility uh, against the sin of pride. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Right. I think Fulton Sheen gives two stories to try to help us battle pride, because I think a lot of times, you know, when we see a prideful person, we we want to uh, approach them and and challenge them. And so Fulton Sheen challenges uh, the prideful person in two ways. One, uh, he comes up to them and asks them a question. He says, you know, uh, why are you so proud? Like, let's just break down what you're worth, you know, and a lot of people always say what their net worth is. But he really looks at them and says, from a material point of view, uh, we are worth so little. The content of the human body is equivalent to as much iron as there is in a nail, as much sugar as there is in two lumps, as much oil as there is in seven bars of soap, and as much phosphorus as there is in 2200 matches, and as much magnesium as it takes to develop one photograph. In all, the human body chemically is worth a little less than two dollars. Oh, why should the spirit of mortals be so proud? And uh, so there you go. You know, hey, you're only worth seven dollars, three dollars. Come on, <laughs> you know. And, and so it's very sobering, very sobering in how he does that. And so uh, that's kind of a wake up call. But the other one that I like uh, is when people brag about their accomplishments. And he says, how many singers orators, musicians, actors, doctors, or professors ever think of thanking God for the special talents that made them outstanding in their profession. Out of the ten lepers who were made clean, only one returned to give thanks. Were not the ten made clean? And where are the nine? Probably represents the portion of the ungrateful who do not thank because they are not humble. And so... Mm. uh, there he's got us on two fronts, you know. Uh, we don't thank God enough for the talents and the gifts that uh, we have been given because they all come from God. And sometimes, again, we have to kind of say, you know, what are we really worth? Yet our souls are priceless. They really are. They really are. Yes, for sure. And, you know, I was thinking while you're saying that the idea of these celebrities receiving these great gifts uh, to be good actors, to be good singers, to be good dancers, whatever it is. And they do it for the glory of themselves rather than for the glory of God. And how it would actually be a grace if we pray that God take that grace from them in order for them to repent, in order for them to recognize that that gift wasn't theirs. It was God's. And in repentance, 
they can receive that grace yet again. And I'm thinking of, of Samson and stories like him where they have this great grace from God and yet they sullied it. Um, and by sullying it, they were punished. But by the punishment, they were called to repentance. Uh, one other point about humility here, which I thought was very fascinating, was his analogy of the different aspects of our Lord on the cross in reparation for different acts of pride. He says, to atone for false pride of ancestry, he thrusts aside the consolation of divinity. For pride of popularity, he is laughed to scorn. For the, he was cursed upon a tree for pride of snobbery. He is in the company of thieves for pride of wealth. He has denied the ownership of his own deathbed for pride of flesh. And he goes on from there. Could you tell us a little bit about meditating upon our Lord's, the different aspects of our Lord on the cross and how that can foster humility within us? Right. And again, the, the key word is reparation. Uh, our Lord suffered so many insults. Um, he just, again, was, but again, it was with purpose. He was making reparation. Um, I just think of the insults and how they mocked him. And he said, you know, if you be the Christ, come down. If you come down, we'll believe in you. Um, there was a bit of mockery there. Um, and so yet our Lord is, um, you know, suffering these insults, these injuries for us, for us. And I think this is where we sometimes lose uh, the value and the purpose of the cross. Jesus did it for us. And again, he made reparation and he gives us that holy example of making reparation. But I think how Fulton Sheen does so beautifully, he always ties in the word of God to, do, to really drive home the message. And remember that scripture uh, that God does not, um, you know, we're not to glory in ourselves for God resists the proud. Remember that God resists the proud. And I think that can be a scary thought sometimes, but we need to do that. Is, amen. Uh, amen. You know, have that humility. Have that humility. Absolutely. And if uh, you're ever in a situation where you're thinking, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Realize God has not forsaken you. Why? Well, because you can go to Bishop Sheen today and be inspired by great talks, free of charge, all sorts of talks on Fulton Sheen. Just go to Bishop Sheen today and you will be inspired. Plus tons of books on Fulton Sheen available. Opportunities. But we'll bring back with more Catholic Drive Time after this. I worked in pro baseball for a long time, and we play on Sundays. And it was an easy excuse. I took the easy out and just didn't go to Mass. Got caught up on that whole selfishness, that whole, you know, um, I can do it all. The times when I was struggling were the times I needed God the most. And now that uh, I've come back and accepted God, my world has completely changed. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your church most likely has a praise and worship time. Would you be surprised to know that the songs you sing might have nothing to do with worship? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Praise and worship was not a term used until the mid-60s when the Jesus people music started becoming more complex and contemporary. By the late 70s, praise and worship had become an entire entity of its own. Secondly, what is worship? It's a sacrifice. It's not singing a soft, flowy song with hands raised. 
The New Testament writers understood that worship was a sacrifice, that it occurred on an altar, which was and is known as a place of slaughter. Thirdly, the altar is for you. Jesus, in the holy sacrifices of the Mass, invites you to participate in His timeless sacrifice of love that truly occurs on the altar. No nightclub effects, no entertainment, no pumped-up emotion. Oh, and please don't register for the next Praise and Worship Global Seminar. Why? Because you can't teach praise and it won't include worship. Yikes! I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Here at KSHJ, 1430 AM, Houston, Texas, we don't mess with the truth. We hear it. Live it and love it. I want to read to you this poem that Bishop Sheen included in one of his talks on the seven last words. He's quoting Oscar Wilde, which, if you know anything about Oscar Wilde, it's very interesting that he does so. He says here, O smitten mouth, O forehead crowned with thorn, O chalice of all common miseries, Thou for our sakes that love thee not hast borne an agony of endless centuries, And we were vain and ignorant nor knew That when we stabbed thy heart, It was our own real hearts we slew. Being ourselves the sowers and the seeds, The night that covers and the light that fade, the spear that pierces and the side that bleeds, the lip betraying and the life betrayed. The deep hath calm, the moon hath rest, but we, lords of the natural world, are yet our own dread enemy. Nay, nay, we are but crucified, and though the bloody sweat falls from our brows like rain, loosen the nails, we shall come down, I know. Stanch the red wounds, we shall be whole again. No need have we of hyssop-laden rod. That which is purely human, that is godlike, that is God. Oscar Wilde. It's interesting because Oscar Wilde was a renowned homosexual during his time, which was very scandalous during his time period. And however, toward the end of his life, he actually repented. And it is well known Though it's not taught in schools, people will read his works and they'll talk about how he was a well-known homosexual, but they refuse to also bring up the fact that he was a repentant homosexual, that he died in the bosom of the church, that he repented and he died buried with a crucifix in his hand, a rosary in his hand, and I believe it was a, a copy of The Life of St. Francis of Assisi written by St. Bonaventure, that Oscar Wilde, he died repentant 
What an amazing grace. Uh, if you've never, if you don't think you recognize the name, he's the one who wrote the book, uh, The uh, Importance of Being Earnest, as well as The Picture of Dorian Gray were the two popular ones. Uh, those are the ones that I read in, in school, and I'm sure most people have read at least something from Oscar Wilde in school. Very, very interesting. Very, very beautiful. And thinking about the the the, the crowning of thorns, you know, that always, always is something that I like to meditate upon. Especially whenever I think of the crowning of thorns as a means of keeping you away from impure thoughts and custody of the eyes. Because you think of the, the thorns piercing the head, the skull of Christ. And some people say that it would have went through his skull and pierced into his brain. Um, yikes. And I think to myself, okay, our Lord suffered that wound. Why did he suffer that wound? What was the importance of that? It was to purify our thoughts with the blood of Christ. It was to keep our thoughts on holy things and to keep our minds away from impure thoughts. And then I think of that blood running down from his forehead, down his face, and probably getting his eyes. And I think, you know, how burning my eyes are when I get sweat in my eyes. Now imagine your forehead is covered in blood and it's flowing down your eyes and it burns your eyes. And I'm thinking, why did our Lord suffer those wounds to his eyes, those burning sensation in his eyes? Well, it was, it was to purify our eyes that the blood of Christ may wash over our eyes, that we may keep custody of the eyes, that we do not look upon things that we should not look upon. And I think that's what a grace we have there. And every wound of our Lord is for a reason. He did it all for a reason. Nothing was an accident. I, I like to think about that. And uh, you know, what, what do you think about that? I think uh, that's a very powerful poem by Oscar Wilde. Throughout his life, he was pondering and considering Catholicism constantly from my understanding. And so I'm sure he read some of the books because he did have that book by St. Bonaventure on, on St. Francis of Assisi on his lap as he was passing away. When a colleague of his asked him why, because he's an Englishman, he's in the UK, British citizen, why are you considering the Catholic Church when you should be an Anglican? And his reply was, now I'm paraphrasing here, well, gentlemen and respectable people are for Anglicans. It's the scoundrels that I am belong to with the Catholic Church. And so he knew who he was. He knew where he could re re uh, get redemption. He knew, um, I'm sure he was aware to some degree, the consequences of his sins, the sins that he was committing. And I always, I, I love conversion stories and I love his deathbed conversion. I, I'm not sure if he died on the bed or just days before, but what a, a powerful influence his poetry, his, his, uh, his, his faith showed to us. Anyone can convert. Anyone can accept Jesus. Jesus accepts everyone. And that's what Catholic means in English, universal for everyone. Yes, absolutely. And you just have to repent, believe in the gospel, and all are welcome in this place. Yes, uh, there... I, Another thing that's interesting is uh, I've always heard people say how they want a a saint who suffered from uh, same-sex attraction. And, you know, that's interesting to think about. And I think, I think I'm, I'm not going to say that Oscar Wilde should be a saint uh, because he did live a very desolate life. 
and he definitely is not worthy of imitation in terms of 99% of his life. But he did die in the odor of sanctity, it seems. Obviously, we can't know um, if he if there is anything that happened to him after his repentance. Correct. Um, but it seems as though he died in the odor of sanctity, and it's what a grace to think of to say someone can live this desolate life and can be a a out in public homosexual and then repent of that and then repent of that sin and be brought back into the bosom of the church before they die. I think that's what a grace. What a grace. I, I think so, too. I, I can't think of any saint uh, who had any same sex attraction, but I'm sure if we dig hard enough, we may find something close to as, as an example of that. But yeah, and anyone can repent. We we can just allow Jesus to enter our hearts, remove all that hardness, and and just be transformed. It's <clears throat> it's a beautiful story that the ending of his life. So I, I can't add any more without being redundant. Yeah. So one interesting point that I think is uh, worthy of bringing up in regards to this is the idea that whenever we have these situations in our lives, whether it be um, a grave sin like like uh, sodomy, that's a grave, grave evil, but even if it's something not as grave as that, even if it's something like a habitual lying, a habitual sin that is it seems to be a lesser sin, that's still something that we should identify. And during the season of Lent, that is the time to identify these things to try to examine our lives, examine our days, and find our predominant faults, and then foster the virtues that are contrary to them. So that way we may be repentant, because part of repentance, which is often forgotten, part of repentance is taking action to avoid doing the sin again. There has to be what is called in theology an amendment of life. It cannot be repentant is not present if there is no intention of amendment of life. And so can you be truly sorry if you do not have amendment of life? And so my suggestion to you, obviously, if you have mortal sins that you have on your soul, those things need to be attached, attacked first. You need to identify them and attack those mortal sins and root them out of your life. But even the imperfections in your life, small things I talk often about, trying to, I try to purify my language and try not to use words like dude, words like based, the words like things like that, that are more common, more the, these words that are less dignified. And I'm trying to purify my vocabulary of these words. Uh, why? Not because there's any sin whatsoever. There's not, there's no sin whatsoever in using these words, but it's an imperfection. And I want to start rooting these things out of my life uh, slowly but surely. And the way to do that is to first identify those imperfections in your life. And once you identify them, okay, say, okay, what causes that? Why is that an imperfection? One, two, what causes it? And three, what is the contrary virtue that should be fostered in its place? And then you develop that and it leads you to the road of perfection. And I, I recommend that to everybody, uh, first and foremost, if you're committing mortal sins, and then secondarily, if you're committing venial sins, and then tertiarily, if you are living in 
and various different states of imperfections, things that could be better. You're not committing any sins, but you could be more perfect. And as the Lord commanded, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Amen. Nothing is impossible with, uh, with God. <clears throat> we need to remember that one, our mo- one of the most popular saints today from contemporary culture viewed upon is St. Francis of Assisi. People think that he lived a wholesome, full life, uh, his entire life from b- birth to death. But no, he was, uh, now correct me if I'm wrong here, he was uh, a player, uh, a cad. He did... Uh, Francis of Assisi? Yes, yes. He, was he, he a player, really? Well, that's that's the the impression I get from reading his biographies that he got around, uh, went out with his buddies, drinking a lot, swore a lot. He he was a typical uh, hedonistic uh, guy for his time, and he had a complete conversion of heart. Nothing is impossible with God. It, it, you think you might be the point I'm trying to make is is not that he was a sinner, that we think that we might be too much far gone that we can't be redeemed or saved, that's, that's uh, gobbledygook. You can become redeemed and saved. What you need to do is start thinking and, and going and looking to Jesus and start somewhere. Go to church, uh, open a book, the Bible preferably, and uh, start amending your life. And what Adrian, what you were saying about uh, cultivating a virtue to remove a vice, I believe for every vice there's a virtue out there that could be matched and you can cultivate that to remove that vice. So, yeah, Lent is a time to start identifying your sins. And <clears throat> this is a perfect opportunity to cleanse yourself. That's, what it, that's part of what fasting and abstinence is, is a denial of self. If you can do that, you can overcome sin. Yes. Uh, Fulton Sheen's book, Victory Over Vice, is an excellent place to go for the vices and the contrary virtues. He focuses on the, the seven deadly sins and the seven heavenly virtues. And so those are definitely a good place to go. Uh, there's a lot of other places that are more theological, but I think Fulton Sheen's is very, it's very short. It's very concise. You can read it in like a day and much easier to get through. But um, it's definitely worthy of looking at. The, uh, the other places are, there's another book. I'm trying to think of the name of it. I believe it is... Kevin Voss, he has a book on the virtues and written by, yes. it's inspired by Aquinas. It's based off of Aquinas' commentary on the virtues and vices. I haven't read it myself, so I can't really endorse it. But I, Kevin Voss, I've read others of his things, and he's always been a good writer, in my opinion. He's also a clinical psychologist. Uh, so I think uh, he's a clinical psychologist and a Thomist, which is a pretty rare combination. So I bet that's a really good book as well. I don't remember the name of it. If you look up Kevin Voss virtues i'm sure you'll be able to find it but maybe maybe that's a good conversation to have write that down tito we should get kevin vost on to talk about uh, virtues and vices i like that, that vost. Might be... v-o-s-t yeah kevin vost he also has this excellent stuff on memory i just very fascinating on his memory palace very interesting because that's something else that we kind of have lost this whole idea of of memories and we all think of today, I have such a terrible memory. But Kevin Vost, as a uh, as a expert on memory, that's what his PhD was written on, or his, his, his doctorate, not his PhD. I think it's a psychology doctrine, was written on memory. So, very interesting. We'll have to have him on. But that leads us to our game show, Fear and Trembling. 
How do you call in to be part of the show? Well, that's easy. All you got to do is call 877-757-9424. That number is 877-757-9424. And you could be on the game show to participate. Just call 877-757-9424. We're back with more after this short break. Hey, Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. What is a patron saint? The classic professions such as soldiers or doctors have patron saints who represent the ideal of soldiering or doctoring. And yet so many of the trades and crafts on which the modern world depends do not have an ideal figure. There is no patron saint of plumbers, for instance, and G.K. Chesterton says there should be. It would be a revolution, for it would inspire each individual plumber to consider that there was once a perfect being who actually did plumb. In the meantime, what do plumbers and the rest of us do? Chesterton says, keep before your eyes the supreme adventure of virtue. If you're kind, think of the man who was kinder than you. That's what is meant by having a patron saint. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. Hey, Donnie, what are the two most important things we receive at Mass? Daddy Christmas scripture. That's right. All right, one more. Who loves you the most? Jesus that's right. Mary. That's right. <laughs> they love us too. If you don't educate your children in the faith, who will? Educate yourself and your family by listening daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network. And make sure to get the GRN app by logging online to grnonline.com. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of the game show Fear and Trembling. And if you don't get on today, remember... There's another opportunity tomorrow, so write down that number, 877-757-9424. If you write that number down, you can be our contestant. You're always welcome to call in early and wait on hold, and you could be the first contestant because we always take the first caller. And the game is very simple. If you've never played before, it's very straightforward, easy to play. We have three Catholic trivia questions here. And the trick is I'm not going to actually ask you the question. I'm going to ask Tito. Then I'm going to ask Rudy, and they're going to give me an answer to the question. It's your job to discern who is right and who is wrong, either Rudy or Tito. And that means you have a 50-50 chance. Even if you just guessed, you get a 50-50 chance of getting it right. And each answer that's correct is entered into a into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could we win? We can win 
the prize being offered by Worthy of Agape, a sticker bundle of Auspice Maria stickers. It's Worthy of Agape is an online store that offers home goods, mass sets, stickers, and apparel. Shop at worthyofagape.com. Uh, Worthy of Agape, thank you very much for being our sponsor this week. And uh, yes, definitely check out Worthy of Agape. A lot of really cool things, uh, especially for your kids. I've seen these little the little saint figurines they have here. Really cool looking. They kind of remind me of the, the tiny saints, but like they look to be like wooden. It's like peg dolls. And I've seen other people who like, like to make their own peg dolls, but I'll be honest, I'm not exactly the crafty type. So this seems like a cool idea. Very, very cool. So thank you very much, Worthy of Agape, for being our sponsor this week. And uh, But joining us right now is Sienna. Good morning to you, Sienna. Good morning. Hey, Sienna, are you off to school this morning? No. No? Where are you off to? You got you got a spring break already? Oh, no, I'm going to school. Oh, you are going to school. Okay. Okay, Sienna. Uh, Sienna, you're calling in. Remind me, you're calling in from Bulvary, Texas? Yes. Very cool. Very cool. Praise be to God. How is your family doing? How's, how's dad? How's siblings? They're okay. Good. Praise be to God. Uh, how's your link going, Sienna? It's good. It's good. What did you give up? Did you... Uh, you gave up eating for Lent or not eating for 40 days straight, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, of course not. No way your dad's letting you not eat at all for 40 days. Uh, what are you doing for Lent this year, Sienna? Um, yeah? Okay. <laughs> we're going to go with we're going to go with uh, she's uh, not eating for 40 days. She's doing the Jesus fast. No, no eating at all for 40 days. She's doing battle with the devil. Right, Sienna? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sienna, are you, you're, I'm, you know how to play the game? Do you know who's trickier? Do you know, is it Rudy or is it Tito? Rudy. Rudy? What? Really? No. Wow. I, I'm not tricky at all. Yeah, I would have I would have gone with Tito, but uh, the, she has spoken. It's over. Oh, well. It's it's settled. Well, Rudy is officially the tricky one. Sienna is a super fan, it so she does know a little bit more than most. It's true. It's true. She's been listening a long time, so it's she is, she would know. She's heard all your tricks, Rudy. <laughs> uh, all right, Sienna, Sienna, do you you're you're ready to play the game? Then I'm sure. Yes. All right, then let's jump into it. Uh, Rudy, we'll go with you, as is our custom. The first question, very easy, very straightforward, makes a lot of sense. Mm. Who is the patron saint of bankers? Now, you may have seen the latest documentary. Mm-hmm. It was actually real footage right. of this particular saint. Okay. St. Matthew. Oh. In The Chosen. Oh, that's a documentary. Yes. Oh, people had cameras. Exactly. And yeah. 33 AD. Yes. Okay. It's a very old invention. Right. All right, so you may have noticed he was a banker. He was uh, a tax collector for, mm, uh, you know, the, the enemy there. But, yeah, he was actually, you know, kind of playing both sides. People didn't like that very much. But, uh, anyway, he then followed Christ, okay. which is what we should do every day. Amen. Amen. So you're saying that the patron saint of bankers is St. Matthew, the tax collector. Yes, from the Chosen series. Okay, there you go. That makes sense to me. Tax collector, banker, it, it make the connection works. Mm. All right, we're going to go with Tito. Tito, yes, same question to you. 
Who is the patron saint of bankers? The patron saint of bankers is Saint Scrooge because he was oh. a banker also, and banks were not really established until the early Middle Ages. Okay, I yes. see what you're saying. So you're saying Saint Scrooge. Saint Scrooge. Uh, which is not necessarily the same Scrooge as Scrooge McDuck. You're talking about. No, it, it, you're talking it, about Dickens Scrooge. Correct. Okay, yes. okay. Just making sure that Saint Scrooge of Dickens, um, that's the answer from Tito. All right, Sienna, a very simple question, very easy. I think you're going to knock this right out of the park. The question is, who is the patron saint of bankers? Rudy says it is St. Matthew, the tax collector, whereas Tito says it's St. Scrooge of Dickinson, of, of Dickens, rather, St. <laughs> Scrooge of Dickens uh, and uh, the, uh, the banker. So what say you, Sienna? 15 seconds on the clock. Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> that hurt my Tito. ears. <laughs> the, my yes, bet. correct. That is correct. It is Rudy. St. Matthew is the patron saint of bankers. The so, Scrooge yeah. of Dickinson is Adrian. Yeah, true, true. I I am a uh, a Scrooge, especially when it comes to uh, celebrating secular holidays. No, nah, that's not true. I actually like celebrating holidays. Hey, uh, can I borrow five bucks? There you go. All righty, Sienna, are you ready for question number two? Yes. All right, let's do it. Tito, this question goes to you. The question on the board, what is the second station of the cross? The second station of the cross. I remember doing this at Stations of the Cross last Friday. He, Jesus takes his cross. Okay. Jesus takes his cross. Jesus takes his cross. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, Rudy, same question to you. Mm -hmm. What is the second station of the cross? The second station. So we're thinking early on. Yeah, we're thinking early. You know, things are still kind of progressing mm -hmm. to the the epiclesis there. Okay. So it's uh, Jesus is scourged at the pillar. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very interesting. All righty, Sienna. Uh, this might be a tricky question, but it might not be. You maybe, maybe you're going to station the cross on Fridays. I'm not sure, but if you are, this might be an easy question. But the question is, what is the second second station of the cross? Tito says that it's Jesus takes his cross, whereas Rudy says Jesus is scourged at the pillar. Fifteen seconds of the clock. Sienna, what say you? Tito. There you go. Praise be to God. Yes, you nailed it. Uh, Jesus scourge of the pillar is not a uh, station of the cross. That happens before the yep. station starts. Yep. I was like, whoo, that's a that's a tricky, tricky. one. That is a tricky one. <laughs> that is a uh, a the second sorrowful mystery though. It is. So second, second. I was like, whoo, this is a tricky one. I can see how people can get that confused. But Sienna, you're too smart. You you knew it, didn't you? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I totally um, was not yeah. guessing. I 100% was not guessing. Uh, don't worry, Sienna. You're in for two. Are you ready for question number three? Yes. All right. This one is a wordy one. So I'm going to go with Rudy first. Yes, yeah, the wordy one. Therefore, I go to Rudy first. Oh, uh, the question is, what is the title given to the priest Appointed to exercise the sacred ministry in an institution such as a prison, hospital, orphanage, or branch of the military. Whew. 
Let me reread that question in, in rapid fire mode. What is the title given to the priest appointed to the exercise of sacred ministry and institutes such as a prison, hospital, orphanage, or branch of the military? If you ever find yourself in a prison, hospital, orphanage, or branch of the military, you may have encountered a chaplain before. And oh, uh, a well, chaplain. You gotta jump through a couple different hoops there to be, you know, authentically Catholic. But okay. we're gonna give him a little bit of pass today. I'm gonna say chaplain. Okay, you're saying a chaplain. Chaplain. Okay. And not Charlie Chaplin. Not Charlie Chaplin. That's someone else. Unless his name is Father Charlie. Okay. Okay. There. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Oh, that's a good one. All right, Tito. Same question to you. What is the title given to the priest appointed to exercise the sacred ministry in an institution such as a prison, hospital, orphanage, or branch of the military? I would have to say it's a toss-up in my head. Uh, Monsignor. A Monsignor. Yeah, that's my best guess. Okay. Okay, you're saying a Monsignor. I know a couple Monsignors. I know a couple Monsignors. There's a lot of people, a lot of especially older priests, tend to, tend to call themselves Monsignors. But let's go to Sienna. That's who it really matters. Sienna, this question is, what is the title given to the priest appointed to the exercise of the sacred ministry in an institution such as the prison, hospital, orphanage, or a branch of the military? Man, I'm exhausted reading that. All right, Sienna, the answers are, you could go with Rudy, who says that it is a chaplain, but not Charlie Chaplin, unless the priest's name is Charlie. Uh, it goes with Chaplin, or Tito, who says that it is Monsignor. 15 seconds on the clock. What say you, Sienna? Tito. Tito, are you sure? Certain. Are you sure? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, she says. <laughs> uh, Tito, is she right? Ooh, Sienna. That, that was a tough one. That's uh, okay, Sienna. It's all right. You got two out of three. That's a pretty good That's a pretty good odds. You can, you're in the coffee cup of Divine Providence twice. The answer is, in fact, a chaplain. A Monsignor is actually a designation that's given to priests of distinction. And uh, a lot of priests who are elderly call themselves Monsignor, where they're not actual Monsignors. It's kind of funny. But the one cool job of a Monsignor is that when the Pope comes to visit your diocese, you're part of his entourage. Um, Pretty cool. Oh, wait, I can't see that one. <laughs> uh, based. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, based. I'm avoiding it. Well, thank you very much, Sienna. Stay on the line. We're going to put you on hold. And we're going to be getting your contact information. But thank you for calling in, Sienna. God bless you. Thank you. And that's going to do it for Catholic Drive Time. Join us in the after show. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. At Our Lady of Corpus Christi, we offer this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening in the Guadalupe Radio Network. We celebrate today 
the second Wednesday of Lent. The glory of these forty days we celebrate with songs of praise for Christ by whom all things were made himself has fasted and has prayed. Alone and fasting Moses saw a loving God who gave the law and to Elijah fasting came the steeds and chariots of flame. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. Keep your family, O Lord, schooled always in good works, and so comfort them with your protection here, as to lead them graciously to gifts on high. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. The people of Judah and the citizens of Jerusalem said, Come, let us contrive a plot against Jeremiah. It will not mean the loss of instruction from the priests, nor of counsel from the wise, nor of messages from the prophets. And so let us destroy him by his own tongue. Let us carefully note his every word. Heed me, O Lord, and listen to what my adversaries say. Must good be repaid with evil, that they should dig a pit to take my life? Remember that I stood before you to speak in their behalf, to turn away your wrath from them. The word of the Lord. Save me, O Lord, in your kindness. Save me, O Lord, in your kindness. You will free me from the snare they set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commend my spirit. You will redeem me, O Lord, O God, faithful God. Save me, O Lord, in your kindness. I hear the whispers of the crowd that frighten me from every side as they consult together against me, plotting to take my life. Save me, O Lord, in your kindness. But my trust is in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. In your hands is my destiny. Rescue me from the clutches of my enemies and my persecutors. 
Save me, O Lord, in your kindness. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. I am the light of the world, says the Lord. Whoever follows me will have the light of life. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves and said to them on the way, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and scourged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons and did him homage, wishing to ask him for something. He said to her, What do you wish? She answered him, Command that these two sons of mine sit one at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Jesus said in reply, You do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the chalice that I am going to drink? They said to him, We can. He replied, my chalice you will indeed drink, but to sit at my right and at my left, this is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus summoned them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just so, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the first reading, we clearly have applauding against the authentic prophets of Israel. In the Gospel, Jesus tells us the result of the resistance of these prophets is more a matter of fallen human nature. And it was in the chosen people of that time. This should be a kind of lens, a beautiful way. I say beautiful because it's, it's a relief to understand that Jesus knows the fallen nature within his own church. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to know that Jesus sees that. He sees what the, the false prophecy that, that happens within the chosen people, the, the resistance to the prophets that happens within the chosen people. And this is, should be a way for us to deal with this kind of resistance. I know it sounds strange, resistance to Jesus, even in his own church. Uh, and, and, you know, the fact is that Jesus, his, he resolves it or uh, gives a kind of way of navigating it by humility. 
Humility is response uh, to your own broken nature and your own resistance to God telling you what you know you've got to do. And that's what happens at Lent. As soon as you start trying walking up that hill, you start to feel all the resistance against turning your life over more and more to God every day in the holy practices of Lent and how you resist them. In fact, at this point in Lent, usually people are saying, I, I really, I don't know if I did so well in my Lenten practices. I, I've really been struggling with them. And this is the point where you have to have patience because it's not as much about fulfilling practices as it is about the actual transformation. And that's what we have to focus on. And there's four basic areas where you can see in the church these the resistance to God and the need for conversion. And we have to do this together as a church. They are faith, morals, the um, worship, and apostolate. The four areas of the catechism, the Catholic Church, the four main pillars of our faith. And in faith, where people won't believe something. They, there's Catholics that don't believe in the true presence of the Eucharist. Or they, they, I don't know if I believe in have this relationship with Blessed Mother Mary, or I don't know if I can believe that the church has an indefectibility and an infallibility of the magisterium. That's, I don't know if I can believe that. You know, these people that say, I can't fully accept all the articles of faith. And we have to have humility in the face of that. Then there's morals. People will say, I'm Catholic, but they won't act like it. They'll be living in sin or... And the most common way we see a, an attack against morals today is usually uh, like se sexual ethics. Or people will be living with someone they're not supposed to be living with, or uh, a man living with a man, or whatever kind of resistance to God's grace. Then there's the worship, where you see God has given us the way to worship. Jesus said, do this in memory of me. But people will say, well, I, I don't know if I, I'm not able to go to Mass every Sunday. I, I, you know, I'm not really sure I can do that. Kind of these kind of resistance of the sluggishness of human nature or with liturgical abuses. They'll do all sorts of weird things in the, the liturgy instead of what the mind of the church tells us to do, that this is the way that is a pleasing way to worship God. And then finally, with apostolate, with mission, Catholics will not be convicted of their need to bring all things to be on earth as it is in heaven, to transform the temple order. And generally, the resistance of human nature will say, I'm going to look at Jesus with the eyes of the world, with the eyes of politics, rather than looking at politics and looking at the world through the eyes of Jesus. And you'll have Catholic politicians sitting there in the public sphere saying and doing very anti-gospel, anti-Jesus things. And it's really hard. It's very difficult uh, for Catholics to see that. It's a, it's a scandal. But this is our mission, to transform the temporal order and not have that spiritual worldliness. And the answer to all these things Jesus gives us is to serve as Jesus serves, to be the least in the kingdom, to, to humble ourselves beneath if you're really going to lead, if you're really going to bring uh, Catholics to be Catholic, it means you have to humble yourself, become a foot washer, and ask God for that grace and that humility to be able to bring people to conversion.
and to pro proclaim the gospel not in an arrogant or presumptuous way, but to see each person as someone who struggles in their own human nature, just like you do, and that you can, with the humility of God, beg God for your, the grace of your own conversion, but conversion from everybody, that everybody would come to know Jesus Christ crucified and his one holy Catholic and apostolic church. May the prayers of the Blessed Mother this Lent make our Lent truly fruitful. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the Holy Church of God, that it may be holy as Christ is holy. We pray that the Holy Spirit raise up saints of our millennium. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that they may serve as Jesus serves. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for that gift of the beautiful gift of the heart of Jesus, the heart of Mary, of humility, that we may have the humility, especially in the face of resistance to God's grace, even within the church. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our government leaders that they may not obstruct and oppose the gospel and Christ. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor, and that we meet this Lent by almsgiving, help contributing to the feeding of the poor. For this we pray to the Lord. And we pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Lord, whose love in humble service bore the weight of human need, who did on the cross forsaken show us mercy's perfect deed. We, your servants, bring the worship, not a voice alone but heart, consecrating to your purpose every gift which you impart. As we worship, grant us vision till your love's revealing light, till the height and depth and greatness dawns upon our human sight. Making known the needs and burdens your compassion bids us bear, stirring us to faithful service your abundant life to share. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Look with favor, Lord, on the sacrificial gifts we offer you, and by this holy exchange, undo the bonds of our sins through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. 
Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For you will that our self-denial should give you thanks, humble our sinful pride, and contribute to the feeding of the poor. And so help us imitate you in your kindness. And so we glorify you with countless angels, as with one voice of praise we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, plenis et terra, gloria tua, osana in excelsis, benedictus, we venit in nomine Domini, O Sahana, You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, 
with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. John of God, and with all the saints, on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May the sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you summoned before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world, to our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life. Give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Row him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Receptis salutaribus moniti, et divin institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, secut in celo et in terra, Panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et imited nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Agnestei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnestei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, donna nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon, 
the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. For those who are unable to receive our Lord in Holy Communion, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O Thou, who at Thy Eucharist did pray, that all Thy Church might be forever one, grant us at every Eucharist to say, with longing heart and soul Thy will be done, Oh, may we all one bread, one body be. Through this blessed sacrament of unity, we pray thee to for wonders from thy fold. Oh, bring them back, good shepherd of the sheep back to the faith which saints believed of old, back to the church which still that faith doth keep. Soon may we all one bread, one body be. Through this blessed sacrament of unity, so, Lord, at length, when sacraments shall cease, may we be one with all thy church above, one with thy saints in one unbroken peace, one with thy saints in one unbounded love, more blessed still in peace and love to be, one with the Trinity in unity. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, O Lord our God, that what you have given us as the pledge of immortality may work for eternal salvation through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Bow down for the blessing. Bestow upon your servants, Lord, abundance of grace and protection. Grant health of mind and body. Grant fullness of fraternal charity. And make them always devoted to you through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in the peace of Christ. Attende Domine, et miserere, quia peccavimus Dei.
The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. This is Dr. Ken Buckle from Grazia Plain 